It's Thursday, September the 24th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, another wave of BLM protests and wrangling in Malaysia's parliament. First, the world in brief. Two police officers were shot in Louisville, Kentucky during demonstrations against a judicial ruling. A grand jury had decided not to charge anyone for killing Breonna Taylor, a black woman who was shot dead in March after three white police officers broke into her flat with a no-knock search warrant and exchanged fire with her boyfriend. One of the three officers involved was indicted for endangering Miss Taylor's neighbours. Thousands of people gathered in Washington to pay their respects to Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the Supreme Court Justice who died last week. After a memorial service, her coffin was placed on the steps outside the court. President Donald Trump will announce his nomination to succeed her later this week. Republicans have indicated they will support a speedy vote to replace her. Donald Trump declined to commit to a peaceful transfer of power should he lose the presidential election in November. Mr Trump has been railing against postal voting, which he says falsely has been shown to encourage electoral fraud. The president also predicted that the result would come before the Supreme Court, further reason, he said, to fill its vacancy quickly. Anwar Ibrahim, Malaysia's opposition leader, claimed he had secured a majority from lawmakers to form a new government. That was rubbished by Muhyiddin Yassin, the prime minister who took power seven months ago, who insists he has the necessary support in parliament to remain as leader. No major political party has come out in support of Mr Ibrahim. Ursula von der Leyen, President of the European Commission, announced plans to overhaul the European Union's asylum procedures. The proposals, backed by Germany's Chancellor Angela Merkel, call for flexible contributions from member states to share the responsibility for migrants more evenly, alongside stricter processes to return people refused asylum. To succeed, the plan requires the support of all 27 member states. Alexander Lukashenko, the autocratic president of Belarus, was sworn in for a sixth term in a ceremony conducted with no advance notice. Protesters have demanded Mr Lukashenko's resignation since he stole an election in August. He has responded with violence. Belarus now faces the prospect of sanctions from America and the EU. And Tesla joined other big car makers in suing the Trump administration, claiming that certain tariffs imposed on Chinese imports are arbitrary and capricious. Ford, Mercedes-Benz and Volvo are arguing that levies on spare parts and other components are illegal. Their suit, filed with the Court of International Trade in New York, names America's trade representative Robert Lighthizer as a defendant. And now, here's today's agenda. Red Surprise, China's Green Pledge. The world's most populous country is also its worst polluter. Each year, China belches out roughly a quarter of the planet's greenhouse gas emissions. Nearly 60% of its power comes from coal. So it was remarkable that this week, Xi Jinping, China's president, declared that his country would aim for carbon neutrality by 2060. Mr Xi also told the UN General Assembly that China would hit peak emissions before 2030, a moderate improvement on its existing pledge to do so by around that date. 
The 2060 pledge represents a breakthrough, though. It could help to meet a target in the Paris Climate Agreement to limit global warming to 1.5 to 2 degrees Celsius relative to pre-industrial temperatures. The devil will be in the details. China will have to flesh out what it means by carbon neutrality. Still, it is now singing from a similar hymn sheet to the EU. America is another matter, but that may have been Mr Xi's point. Back to Earth, Rocket Internet Even from the launchpad, Rocket Internet attracted controversy. The German startup incubator was fueled by deft imitations of American e-commerce successes for European markets. Today's extraordinary general meeting looks certain to approve the company's delisting from stock exchanges in Frankfurt and Luxembourg, infuriating minority shareholders. It is a mere formality. Rocket's chief executive, Oliver Zamva, and his two brothers control more than 50% of the shares. Rather than using external capital, Mr. Zamva is planning to deploy 1 billion euros, 1.2 billion dollars of company cash to buy out minority shareholders at 18 euros 57 per share. That matches the volume weighted average price of the past six months. But this year, Rocket has traded at a discount to the sum of its cash and liquid assets. In other words, Mr. Zamva's offer does not take into account Rocket's private stakes in tech startups, which are worth around 1 billion euros. No wonder other shareholders are seething. Going low, Turkey's central bank. Tourists arriving in Turkey will be in for a pleasant surprise. This time last year, a dollar would buy 5 lira 70. Today, it will fetch nearly 7.70. Turkey's central bank, which has helped the currency plummet from one record low to another by keeping interest rates down, seems determined to keep visiting foreigners happy and Turks miserable. Conventional wisdom suggests the bank's monetary policy board should prevent further damage by increasing rates today. But in Turkey, conventional wisdom is a poor guide. Under Recep Tayyip Erdogan, the country's president, the bank has tried to protect the currency by burning through tens of billions of dollars in foreign reserves. The policy has not worked. The lira has already lost over a fifth of its value against the dollar since the start of the year. The bank's reserves are depleted. It could save the lira by reverting to orthodoxy. Chances are it will sit on its hands. In the clear the UN and open government. Amid the gloomy state of geopolitics, a group of countries will trumpet at least a few domestic successes today on the sidelines of this week's United Nations General Assembly. A quiet revolution is underway as governments voluntarily adopt measures to improve their transparency and accountability while forging new ways to interact with their citizens. Open data play an important role. France, for example, is working to make public procurement projects more accessible so that more firms can compete, thereby lowering costs, improving quality and preventing graft. Emmanuel Macron, France's president, is among the leaders appearing at today's event, called the Open Government Partnership Summit. The main sessions will be focused on government innovations in pandemic management and tracking the trillions of dollars spent in emergency relief measures. Bleak political scientists argue that countries only transform themselves in times of calamity, but with lots of small steps, the Open Government Partnership hopes to prove them wrong. Turn that crown upside down, Thai protests. 
Criticism of Thailand's king has long been taboo. A fierce Les Majeste law lays down a prison sentence of up to 15 years for insulting the monarchy. So the tens of thousands of demonstrators who marched through Bangkok last weekend were audacious. This country belongs to the people and not the king, read a plaque laid outside the palace by some of the organisers. Another big protest is planned for today. Demonstrators want King Maha Vajiralongkorn to keep his nose out of politics. Since coming to the throne in 2016, he has taken control of crown property worth perhaps $40 billion and assumed direct command of thousands of soldiers. Protesters are also calling for a revocation of the Les Majeste law and the dissolution of the government. Officials point out that the government has allowed the protests to proceed and there has been no violence, but bigger tests loom. The protesters have called for a general strike next month. Finally, here's the quote of the day from F. Scott Fitzgerald, who was born on this day in 1896. Never confuse a single defeat with a final defeat. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.